0: Hey, this is Insights from the Sahara. I'm your host, Media J, and welcome back. Uh, I know it's been a while. Well, what can I say? It's been a crazy month. Um, From wrapping up things in D.C. uh, to starting... um, you know, a role in venture capital, just more apprenticeship, just learning the business, uh, to really just um, expanding my network globally, traveling to Lagos. Uh, I've been a busy kid. Um, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I've learned a lot. Um, you know, I enjoy you guys kind of uh, tagging along for this journey I've been on. Uh, but yeah, so just wanted to kind of uh, take you guys into the corner and. Saying, I know it's been about a good month since I published something, you know, I appreciate the patience. Um, thanks for the inquiries. I think you guys are going to love this episode uh, today. We have a special guest, uh, Kwame Sum Bingpong. Um, he's an artificial intelligence uh, expert, as well as he works within the com- consumer division at uh, Deloitte Consulting. Um, great guy. Has a great uh, expansive experience, um, done some consulting work, worked in local politics. Uh, Yeah, now he's on the private uh, sector side. And yeah, um, it was a great conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it. Over and out. Welcome back to Insights from the Sahara. I'm your host, Media J. I'm joined here today uh, with a special guest. We have Kwame som Pong. Uh, he's a Ghanaian artificial intelligence expert based out in Washington, D.C. He also works within the consumer division of Deloitte. Hey, Kwame, how's it going?
1: Uh, pretty well, now. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah,
0: it's a pleasure, you know. I, I always definitely love to um, chat with fellow Ghanaians. And uh, I will admit, you know, I have um, I've been intrigued by the artificial uh, intelligence space, uh, especially uh, nowadays with us entering this fourth industrial revolution. So uh, I'm personally looking forward to this chat. Um, but yeah, so to begin, um, you know insights from the Sahara. We interview, you know, African professionals and well, you know the gist. So uh let's just get right into it. So Kwame, um artificial intelligence. Well before we begin there, just give the uh, audience a little intro about yourself, right? So just tell us a little, you know, tell us a little bit about where you're from, how you kind of got into the space and we'll just kind of go from there.
1: Sure. So I am originally from Greensboro, North Carolina. My, um, uh, on my dad's side, he's from Ghana. My mom is from eastern North Carolina. So I love to always tell folks that I'm a, I'm a mix of both worlds. Um, and uh, you know, I grew up in, in North Carolina, went to college down there, um, went to grad school at University of Georgia. Um, and then got my start in politics and uh, from there moved to work with the federal government um, then went to work with a nonprofit where I was sending people to go work uh, for blue chip companies in African markets Um, it's a program called the Africa Business Fellowship and and after that I left to go start a a media startup Um, and then I'm now working for a large consulting firm and you know, over the past several years, um, artificial intelligence has just kind of um, caught my attention. Um, you know, one, it's been increasingly in uh, kind of just the conversation in the news. Um, but um, I ran, ran across this concept called the singularity. Um, uh, we might get into it more later yeah. in the conversation, but, um, you know, just thinking about the, the implications of that um just you know signal to me that this was something i needed to pay attention to
0: yeah so definitely here we are. um yeah definitely and so you kind of gave us a lot there um and so i feel like we should definitely unpack a little bit about that so you know you kind of stated you know you've got a little bit into politics now you know what are we talking were you inspired by scandal you know they like some olivia pope type you know you know <laughs> hardcore fixing or you know just uh you know break that down a little bit cause I'm intrigued. what do you mean by politics
1: so um i got my started i was i was lobbying and um so i when i thought about how i was going to approach my career um early on you know i knew that i wanted to be part of africa um reaching its full potential Mm -hmm. politically socially economically and in thinking about how i could best uh, do that uh, from the u.s you know i thought let me get as much um, knowledge as possible about how things work in the political world how things work in cities how things work at the federal government um how things work in the private sector and and in each of those opportunities like what is the application to um you know african markets yeah so uh the lobbying opportunity was kind of my first step in kind of building a a toolkit so to speak of um experiences to apply to africa
0: yeah definitely um you know and i can appreciate that you know um i wish more young people and i'm saying that like i'm not 24 <laughs> but you know <laughs> I, I wish more young people would you know be thoughtful and more methodical and you know just kind of a uh, the career approach you know i feel like you you would definitely get more out of your career down the line um but yeah so and you know i kind of agree with you right and i don't know if you kind of noticed, but is it me or do does it kind of feel as if there's, like, a new consciousness and there's, like, you know, the, you know, there's a lot of, like, young Africans in the diaspora, you know, who are, like, really embracing the, like, the mantle and the challenge of if we don't do it, you know, you know. You get what I'm saying? It's, like, I was just recently in Lagos and when I tell you the amount of expats I saw, the amount of, you know, like African diaspora, not just young Nigerians, but young, you know, you name it—Liberians, uh, Ghanaians, whatever—working in Lagos, just trying to build. It's it's crazy, mm-hmm. and I found myself one of them. But do you kind of do you kind of see that? Do you see that shift? Do you feel that change?
1: I think it's it's definitely something that has been exciting for me. I, I'll never forget. Um, back in 2010 I believe my first time attending uh, the Harvard uh, Africa Business Conference Mm -hmm. and uh, that was my first time being around so many people who shared my interest, passion for seeing Africa do well and um, after that it's been cool to see um, that energy Uh, sustain for the most part i mean there have been lulls just you know as you know uh you know capital is dried up Mm -hmm. and perhaps there's not as many jobs and say like private equity or whatnot but on the whole i think you know people are have maintained that uh, passion that energy to put their hands to the wheel and do some good work
0: yeah no i i i definitely agree you know with um it's one of those things where it's uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint, and you know I'm just glad to you know add my energy to the mix. All right, so kind of moving forward from there, before we spend you know the whole uh, okay. episode reminiscing and talking about X, Y, and Z. Um, so moving forward, unpacking you kind know, of the rest of your background. We talked a little bit about your course your passion for africa your interest in politics you know so you wrapped up school you know you did a bit of consulting um now tell me you know for the primary reason of this episode you know around what time did you uh, find yourself introduced to ai which is artificial intelligence you know and what really made you say this right here is like my wheelhouse like i have to land here yeah
1: yeah, so I would say it's probably 2014, 2015, um, when artificial intelligence really got on my radar, Radar. I uh, learned about this uh, director at Google named Ray Kurzweil. Um, he is a futurist, he's constantly thinking um, 100 years down the road, and um, he is a big proponent of this concept called the singularity, essentially where uh, computers are self-learning that we wouldn't have to kind of input data um, information for them to process. They'll just kind of learn on their own. Mm -hmm. And his thesis with that is that we'll see exponential growths in human capability and ability to kind of conquer the universe, et cetera. Um, so immediately, you know, <laughs> my kind of alarms went off. I was like, this sounds too close to colonialism, manifest destiny. Like, I'm, I'm not <laughs> particularly comfortable. And uh, so at that point, I started just kind of reading up, reading up on it. And over the years, um, I, it just really kind of cemented as a, a concern because I wasn't seeing a lot of Africans mm-hmm. kind of in that mm-hmm. conversation. Um, and eventually got to the point where I was like, "Okay, this is something I need to focus on, on myself." And um, and you know, that's kind of what I've got.
0: Yeah, and you you really hit the nail on the head there, right? And uh, so, of course, I'm I'm no techie by any stretch of imagine, imagination, right? I stick to finance. I do a little sales. I shake hands. I kiss babies. I go home. That's me, right? <laughs> but you know, even a guy like me realizes, you know the uh weight of the words you just said right um for anyone who's listening right it's you know when we talk about ownership right it goes more than just you know assets you know you know you have to think about the tech especially in this data-driven uh world as technology gets smarter and smarter you want to make sure for example uh techies uh they use things like uh this, they use phrases like discrimination and coding, right? Where it's, uh, or what's it, like, um, un, they don't mean to embed biases into code, but, you know, it can happen. You're probably familiar with some of these conversations, right? Where it's, you know, I could go on, but it's, you know, I don't even know how to formalize it. But once again, I'm not techie, so I'm trying my best. But I get what you're saying, right? It's Africans have to be, in the conversation, especially as far as it comes to technology within our borders, right? Uh, and I guess one example I'm going to use, right, is, so China has, um, what is it, a facial recognition software, right? Because as we know, China, well, China's China, and of course they're going to have facial recognition on the streets. But um, so you, you may be familiar with this story as far as, you know, that facial recognition, there's already red flags because um, that facial recognition is built more for fair-skinned people, right? So what's happening is that let's say one black person or darker-skinned person commits a crime. Well, those algorithms, of course, weren't built for dark-skinned people or without the uh, benefit or without the uh, dark-skinned people in mind. Right, so there weren't no safeguards put in place. So now, what's happening is, if one dark-skinned person, uh, you know, commits a crime, those algorithms don't really know how to read dark faces, you know, or darker faces. So you're now having uh, situations where, if I commit a crime, you could end up behind bars for it because you know you're gonna know say the algorithm i said he looks somewhat familiar he fits the description so instead of you know us now having undisciplined officers we have undisciplined algorithms which i think is the just the way you're trying to get to as far as we need to be careful how technology is being developed and make sure that africans have a seat at the table at least build our own table for our own use am i right
1: that, that that's absolutely right and and i think um perhaps you know for your listenership um if i just you know could have backed up a little bit mm-hmm. to help understand kind of lay the groundwork for you know what is ai yeah um, so you know artificial intelligence is essentially an effort to mimic uh what our brains are capable of so identifying patterns um, identifying images, um, you know, making projections about probabilities in the future, um, um, discerning movement. Um, you know, there's a, a lot of things that are, our brains are incredible. <laughs> and, uh, and since the late fifties, there has been an effort in terms of like te- computer technology to try to, uh, of replicate that Um, so that's that's kind of at the at a foundational level what AI is and you know the example you provided you know with uh, facial recognition you know that's a that's a component of it you know using things like machine vision learning um, where you're able to look at pictures and a computer can quickly go through a database of tons of photos and uh, identify Um, ones that seem to be a match Um, you know what's even more interesting about the case that you provided and you know to your point about the importance of us being at the table uh, better yet building our own table is um, you have um, you know some governments on the African continent who are contracting with Chinese companies for this recognition technology you know which is concerning Um, I agree um, and so, and I think that this kind of brings us to, um, and perhaps you'll, you'll get to this you know, as, as we talk more, but, um, you know, this getting a seat at the table versus you know, building a table, um, you know, you have, there are African engineers out there, there are black engineers out there, um, people like. Tunde uh, Olukotun, who are, you know, building incredible technologies around AI, um, you know, imagine a world where kind of these people are working with governments, working with companies on the continent to um, kind of reimagine, you know, what artificial intelligence could look like, um, kind of with the flavor that, you know, we bring with, you know, kind of the worldview that, that we bring to the table. Um, that's something I, I would love to see. And I, I feel like that would um, bring a different conversation in terms of the ethical components of, you know, how do you um, bring artificial intelligence into the world?
0: I completely agree. You know, that's why I think it's a uh, super key for, uh, events like, you know, the Harvard Business School, you know, Africa Summit. You know, when I was in D.C., I attended, you know, the Africa FinTech Summit. Those, I think those um, events are key, you know, because it allows, you know, policymakers and business leaders from across the globe to convene uh, for Africa-centered events that do not fall within the typical You know, narration that comes from outside. You're familiar with the uh, usual suspect stories, and within those um, events, we're able to have these type of conversations with the type of people actually doing the work. And like, so I am very keen on capturing insights of people actually doing the work, right? So, you know, through one of my platforms, through this, right? I always want to make sure. Um, You know, I never want to be that person who's outside of the continent, just speaking about something without ever including someone within the conversation, you know, because at that point, Mm -hmm. I feel it's disingenuous. And at the same time, it's speaking against everything we just talked about, right? It's it's not building a table and it's not having a seat at a table. But anyways, so I agree with what you're saying. It's uh, we need to be especially careful um, with this new technology, because it's a different ball game out there, right? Algorithms, as they self-learn, is like a child, right? Whatever you, I think that's a good, good way to build it, right? Whatever you teach it, as it self-learns, it's gonna just reinforce, reinforce what it's been taught, right? So if you, correct me if I'm wrong, but so if you have an algorithm. And we're now entering this age of machine learning where these machines are getting smarter and just, you know, consuming more data and kind of building upon itself. So if it has, you know, at the core of it, you know, biased code, and then that uh, system is then exported to African countries, could you imagine? Uh, I don't want to say the word chaos, but I don't think it'll end up being a satisfactory product, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah. I think, I think that's right. Um, and, and you know, I, an, another layer I would add to that is um, even if we do, you know, have, say, a table full of Black folks uh, building this technology, there is still that added level of work to address bias that, um, you know, we have kind of ingested over mm. our lives. I agree. Um, I recently was having a conversation with a data scientist, and he was talking about a team he was working with, um, made up of uh, brown skin developers, and um, they were building um, a machine vision learning um, algorithm, and uh, structured the algorithm such that it didn't, it wouldn't recognize their own skin. <laughs> um, so, in my mind, that just kind of Stood out as an example of kind of how deep these biases can, can run, even within, you know, we as, um, you know, black colored people. I, um, so it's kind of a, an extra layer of work that, that yeah. has to be. Attention to.
0: I, you know, I completely agree. You know, it's um, there, there's a lot of work ahead, but that's kind of what makes um this work fulfilling as well as like, you know, as we proceed, we see the good that's being done. So, you know, we, you've, I think we kind of provided a context as far as what artificial intelligence is some uh, base uh, applications and why um, making sure that biases are being uh, well, biases are being watched when it comes to developing the codes and the algorithms that are going to end up uh propelling african life forward, you know in this coming century you know for the remainder of the century and you know moving forward right we're entering a new age and this age is going to be dominated by algorithms and we need to make sure that those algorithms work for us pretty much so moving forward um I think we talked, yeah, we talked about why is this so important for Africa. So it's, I would say, when it comes to technology on the continent, right? Because you write a lot about artificial intelligence, but you also talk about technology. So I know you're someone that kind of watches tech on the, um, you know, continent. So let me just kind of uh, this. Pu- Peel away for a bit and just talk about kind of the elephant in the room, right? <laughs> because if you're going to talk about tech, then on the continent, then we kind of have to talk about Huawei and kind of the fight going on between, you know, the Americans and, to some extent, the West and then China, right? And kind of how um it's almost as if, like, um, Africa is kind of like the awkward kid stuck in the middle. And, you know, it's like two divorced parents, and they don't know where they're going. Uh, but so, tell me a little bit about that.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, there's 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 so much um, so much there. But I mean, I, I think you know we can can start with you know Africa kind of being stuck in the middle. Huawei is this massive um, you know company in China that uh, you know builds all sorts of. Technology, from kind of infrastructure technology to phones, um, and they're deploying a lot of their technology um, in African countries. Um, the U.S. government um, recently, in its you know trade war with China, has kind of though it's kind of walked it back. The, over the past week, um, has targeted Huawei as a threat. National security threat due to concerns that it's basically spying on behalf of the Chinese government. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if that is true, then you have um, you know this company that's deploying all kinds of affordable mobile phones to African consumers um, is providing some um, kind of broadband technology uh, to. Um, as as countries try to roll out you know uh, technology approaching 5g um, broadband and, and countries like South Africa um, you know there's the potential that you know China is gathering lots of data uh, on um, on on African people so um, I, mean, I, I think that's kind of the the framing, there, um, so to speak, and so, uh, I qual- like what what question you have about
0: it? Yeah. So, it's, you know, kind of thanks for stopping there because I really want my listener to pause and understand the importance of what you just said because people, you have to understand, right? We are entering for many people who just simply aren't aware of what goes on in the world. You know. We're shifting away from the days of Steve Jobs, you know, um, I would say to a lesser extent, Zuckerberg, because young, but Steve Jobs, Gates, and Dark cohorts, and we're moving into a new age, you know, fourth industrial revolution, you know, it's very different from the 90s and before, right, the 80s and 90s, where these days, data is king. Right, machine learning, all of those things are going to be vital for the modern economy. And the reason why I wanted to pause here is so data can be applied to so many different aspects of life and to an extent politics as well. So, ownership of data is crucially important, right? And if you, if you don't mind, Kwame, uh, and I wanted to pause here to kind of emphasize what you said is that is crucially important so if you have a massive company like Huawei right and they are being um, pretty much they're being accused of spying for government which for those who aren't techies it's like if Facebook was accused of spying for the US government because Facebook is everywhere right Kwame I believe I believe I'm correct if within the scope right Huawei's massive so kind of like yep. US equivalent so let's just kind of dive in a little bit there right what could be some implications? So, let me play devil's advocate here. So, I do apologize ahead of time to uh, my friends of China, my advisory friends. I just want to play devil's advocate and build on this conversation. So, let's just say for the sake of conversation, Huawei is spying right all over the globe on behalf of Beijing. What are those implications for the African continent? Uh, primarily, because we talked about this privately primarily for let's say African um more authoritarian uh African regimes you know utilizing technology Huawei like technology let's just kind of dive in deep there let's start from a te- you know a tech point of view and then we can move more into the political or whatever you feel is more comfortable for you mm-hmm.
1: yeah I mean <laughs> um The, you know, the, the implications, you know, are are wide ranging, um, depending on your level of, um, you know, wanting to be anxious about, (laughs) about a state of things. I mean, you can think of everything from, um, just basic, um, security of your infrastructure, um. You know, China having access to the data of your citizens, knowing their names, their personal information, where they have been, where they're going. Um, You know, creative people can do a lot with that sort of information. Uh, Politically, um, you know, having this kind of data provides leverage um, for china is it's you know negotiating deals um for with various uh countries on the continent um it provides them kind of bargaining chips say with kind of more author- authoritarian the government saying hey we see you have this problem with your people like we'll provide you um the tools to take care of that um so, I mean, those are kind of like on the darker end of, of, the, um, of the implications. I mean, just generally, I mean, as a sovereign nation, like you don't want an outside uh, a country that's not you um, having such broad access to that of your people.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree. Um, and I just wanted to make sure we pause and kind of emphasize that because there's a major, uh, conversation going on in the continent right now, right? Is data ownership, um, data negotiations, because correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, so let's say I am the president of, you know, I, I don't want to no beef with no African people. So I'm going to make up a country because, you know, we get sensitive, um, <laughs> So I am the president of Africa ABC, a country randomly somewhere on the continent, right? Um, and I'm a little bit authoritarian authoritarian, right? A little bit less of a dictator, but don't push me. <laughs> type of figure. All right. Um, and so Huawei or another uh Chinese tech giant approaches, you know, we're negotiating or debating government, what have you. Um So there's concerns that governments aren't doing enough as far as negotiating for, you know, data transparency, data ownership. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, do you think that these um, lack of concessions are on purpose or is just a... It's just a um, byproduct of, you know, African political leadership that tends to come from a different age. You know, they tend to be older. Maybe they don't understand the intricacies of data ownership and data negotiation.
1: I I would say it's probably a mixture. Um, I'm sure there's there's a capacity issue there. Um, I'm sure there's also kind of a, um, you know, whoever is at these tables with these negotiations see the opportunity to um, you know wield more control over their populations um, you know with this kind of technology but you know I mean you had several years ago the African Development Bank um, I kind of really honed in on this um, this is kind of an aside but on this um, negotiating capacity issue um it mm-hmm. you know, just not just from China, but Western countries, uh, companies from Western countries, just coming in and you know, negotiating deals with uh, counterparts in African countries who just did not have the the capacity to to negotiate um, deals that you know, represented well the interests of those countries. Yeah, um, so. The, the African Development Bank has has invested hundreds of millions of dollars into uh, trying to shore that up across the continent but um, but you still have capacity issues and you still have people who um, kind of come to the negotiating table with um, less than the best interests of their people in mind
0: I agree I agree Um, so yeah I agree completely agree so let's kind of conclude that there because honestly, as you kind of stated, right, the context within that within uh, that conversation is so intricate. We could sit here all night going back and forth, discussing possibilities, but for the sake of keeping things um, comprehensive, let's uh, kind of move on here. So, you know, we kind of covered that a bit. So one, uh, one major component uh, I want to talk about as far as um, forces within tech and just in the continent um, as, you know in general right you kind of touched base on it when you said that you know your real uh, introduction to really uh, the movers in the continent was when you went to Harvard for that Africa event right so yes. you know diaspora you know the African diaspora you know what's your take as far as like what's you know i guess how i'm gonna say this like i'm curious to know like what you take because after coming back from lagos i kind of formed my own opinions but what's your take as far as the african diaspora are they doing enough you know compared to other diaspora movements like the chinese decades ago when you know millions of them left the country to get educated and turn right back around and kind of invested in the country right so like know that's something you know you've kind of really taken thought to whether in the tech lens or just in general
1: um you know so i'm i'm excited about the opportunity there is for the african diaspora to um kind of fully engage with opportunities across the continent and that includes me um and uh i mean i think that there's like we have a long ways to go there um but um you know there's there's lots of reasons for you know by the pace you know hasn't looked like that of you know chinese nationals or um i don't know irish nationals um you know but the diasporas all over this globe from Europe to uh, Central and South America to the Caribbean um, and, and also you know North America um, and so you know over the hundreds of years that uh, the diaspora has been um, spread across the world um, and we've kind of settled into Know, modifying our cultures and our worldviews in different parts of the world and and have really kind of seen ourselves as American as British as uh, Jamaican uh, as Peruvian or whatnot um, and uh, and perhaps in some cases less African um, I'm excited about the day when I uh, I don't know, someone or something clicks um, across the diaspora and says, you know, this is where we come from. Um, like, let's figure out a way to kind of point our efforts um, back towards that, that source. Um, and if I could, I, I'll link this back to, um, you know, just thinking about artificial intelligence. Um, and earlier I mentioned know what it would look like if we could like kind of reimagine what it looks like to bring uh, AI into the world Um, kind of a core belief of mine is that uh, we have been building game changing technology for millennia Um, you know when you look back thousands of years look at Egypt um, look at great Zimbabwe where we were building stone structures um, in a time where you know the Western world was still using a lot of wood mm-hmm. um you know look at um the Edo people in Nigeria um you know there's just technology um that and the relics of it across the continent and there's no reason why we can't kind of tap back into that genius um over the years we've mm-hmm. seen glimpses of that you see that in our music in our food um and uh in how we've um, language um you know we can do that same thing um with technology like artificial intelligence and i think when we um kind of collectively kind of point our efforts back to africa and say you know we're we're invested in this you know we're gonna focus our efforts here um magic can really happen there
0: i agree you know i agree um you know yeah you really hit the nail on the head um you know I, I you know I, I find it funny it's you're right so a lot of our diaspora and really I was initially thinking more about the more recent right so like first second gen Africans but even still you know uh the long history of our diaspora as you say right is we're great assimilators right we can pretty much assimilate anywhere and build up those cultures we've seen it right it's um you know, our culture is crazy. It's, you know, American popular culture is largely the diaspora culture, you know, in one way, shape, or form. Um, so, like you said, right, we've seen these glimpses of genius come out in different outlets. And I also look for the day, and I would like to call for, you know, an African renaissance, so to speak, an African tech renaissance, you know. And I think that's why I you know, I got into, um, you know, the finance world and more recently venture capital, right. Is I want to be on that side, driving that capital to those change makers, to the geniuses, right. It's, uh, whether it's those who are going to make sure that our uh, algorithms are used for us, I'm going to quote FUBU, for us, by us, or by us, for us, <laughs> you know, but you, you know what I'm saying, it's like, yeah, you know, we, we have to invest in ourselves so that we can, uh, push, you know, a rising tide, I don't know, I was gonna say rising tide floats, all uh, boats, but I don't think I'm bad with these quotes, so I don't know if that's gonna work. <laughs> but I think you get that general gist of what I'm trying to say. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, no, no, go. No,
1: I mean, I, th- I think that you know, yes, like uh, we have contributed a lot to, um, to the world, and I think that, um, you know, right now, in terms of like what's met, what gets measured, you know. As, as it pertains to Africa, you know, in terms of contribution to global GDP, Africa is at the bottom, like three, four percent. But, you know, if we get that kind of renaissance that you're talking about, I think that um, Africa has a lot to offer. Um, granted, like there's a there's a long way, a lot that needs to happen for um, that to get to the get to uh, become reality from you know, building the energy infrastructure and the, the manufacturing capacity that meshes with, you know, what's happening with robotics and AI to, um, you know, road infrastructure, etc. job creation um, on top of all of that. Um, but, you know, my optimism remains. <laughs>
0: no. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you really hit the nail on the head there. Um, we just have to, You know, we have to, of course, remain optimistic. But honestly, I kind of circling back to what you said at the beginning, right? These things come in ebb and flows. And right now, you know, Africa's rising high, you know. cap, You know, capital inflows, or for those who aren't finance savvy, this money going into the continent is nearly at an all-time high things are really going well of course you know we have a global recession kind of peeking around the corner so hopefully we don't see too much money leave the continent and it's just a it's a marathon effort you know we all have to pitch in where we can whether you're here in the states what have you it's um and so as we're wrapping things up and you know we're talking kind of uh, about the ds4 One fun fact, and one fact I actually love, right, and since I was just in Lagos, I'll mention it. So now officially there is more money from Nigerian uh, diaspora, so in the form of remittances going, or actually, I think this is just an African statistic in general, but there's more money as far as African diaspora sending money home, so in remittances, than there is in um, aid money going into the continent. For the first time, you know, I think ever. And that's a great thing, right? Because that's always been one of the negative uh, connotations is, oh, they can't, you know, function without aid. And so we're seeing a shifting, you know, dynamic, so to speak, along with all the actual investment dollars. And that's what keeps me up at night hustling and working, you know, because I can see that, you know. But yeah. So...
1: Uh-oh. That's awesome. I mean, I, I I love the thought of us investing in ourselves.
0: Yeah. It's, it's happening gradually. Like I said, that's why I joined uh, Finances. I wanted to be a part of that. And, yeah, we just had to keep going. We had to stay hungry and hustle, you know, and gradually, piece by piece, you know. You know, we're seeing the continent come together. You know, it's yeah, it's a great thing. But so, Kwame, uh, just to kind of wrap things up, you um, you know it's so do you have any um, future AI um, writing projects or you know you want to talk more about your uh, just kind of round things up talking about your blog where people can find them uh, find the blog I'll probably have a link but if you just want to talk a little bit about your blog uh, kind of what you're doing there and why you um, started it and what you hope you know the blog uh, you know brings out in the world so to speak
1: Sure. Um, yeah. So you can check out my kind of thoughts about AI and stories that are catching my attention um, at my at my blog. It's uh, Kwame K W A M E Som S O M Kimpong P I M P O N G dot com. And uh, yeah, there I just I post articles, my thoughts on um, you know what they mean for um, black people and uh the blog just really serves as kind of a a notepad for me to kind of get my thoughts out and 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 work through ideas um and uh you're welcome to kind of join me in that in that journey
0: awesome all right Kwame well thanks for the chat uh I look forward to more um yeah so you could connect with Kwame um on his blog um I'll also be connecting uh with his LinkedIn anything else but yeah so this is another episode of Insights from the Sahara I'm your host Media J and we're out.